What's the topic for today? L.A. Echo here. Trade Talk. Episode 2, Season 4. Man, we are going in. Today we're talking about the 2022 outlook. What is the financial outlook globally in 2022? This is my opinion and my opinion only. So don't take it as if it is the gospel. However, I always like to start my year with a thesis, and my thesis, oddly enough, it's a continuation of last year. And I know, you know, that's not exciting because someone would want to, as people always text me, DM me, contact me and say, hey, what's what's the new play? What's going on? What are some stocks? And I find it hard to to always reply because I don't think that it it's this... Uh, new hot stock on the block. I think people like that, but I don't look at markets uh, from a global perspective in that way. I like to look at them from a very macro view and then pick my spots. Uh, so, you know, we trade around the thesis itself. And for my 2022 outlook, I would definitely have to say that um, it, it goes quite in depth. I mean, we are still in a monetary policy environment. I've been saying that since before. And I know, you know, that may seem boring to most as they want to see the, the flash in the pan and, you know, a Tesla, the things that have a wide range of movement. And I agree. I look at those names, too. Uh, however, when you look at the macro thesis, uh, the exciting names usually have little substance uh, and they are going to reprice. That's just what's going to happen. And let me explain to you. Now, not why it's going to happen. Let me explain to you what I view as happening in markets that um, substantiate my opinion and continue to go forward. So uh, the first things first, we're talking interest rates, right? We already know that the monetary policy that is trying to pass an infrastructure bill, uh, this was, you know, with um, the Biden administration and backing of uh, Yellen and Powell because it will give more employment, uh, that infrastructure bill is going to have a heavy effect on interest rates. Right now, interest rates are still low. This is short-term rates. Yield curve is still inverted. And we have to really start to pay attention to what the Fed is anticipating doing with rates. But while anticipating what they're going to do with rates, we have to take into account that there's potential, the potentiality of full-scale war in Russia and Ukraine. I guess it's war at this point because they've declared the war. Um, it's a rock and a hard place for any future projections in 2022. Uh, you cannot raise short-term rates while being involved in a war. Uh, people will consume less, and they definitely will, well, while, they'll consume less while there is any uncertainty with a war because wars cause commodity prices to increase. Uh, people will less discretionary spend. This is just further affirming that concept I was speaking about, about the consumer discretionary being weak. So it will just give you a highly volatile environment uh, in this uh, 2022 year. Furthermore, Interest rates not being able to uh, get the basis points move that they need and, you know, uh, just another smack to the Fed. You would have thought that, um, you know, you would have gotten a rate hike by now, even uh, half, a per half a percent, a quarter of a percent. Some people are calling, like Charlie, calling for a half of a percent. 
but uh, even in the emergency meeting, we had no rate hike. We have another meeting in March with the potentiality of maybe a rate hike because we had a target date so that the Fed could manipulate and condition people to understand that, hey, markets will uh, have to fall in value as we intend to raise rates. But as I've been saying before, and as you'll hear in uh, probably other episodes of this, uh, of Trade Talk, excuse me, the short are looking for liquidity and they're pressing upon uh, the markets in early sessions and in late sessions to see who will sell off and who has weak hands due to over leverage because of cheap borrowing conditions for your securities. And you best believe people trading options, people trading crypto, people trading all of these environments are over leveraged. And each time the market tests a newer low or a lower high, uh, you are losing some of that liquidity that you had, especially if you did not sell your positions. If you sold your positions, at least you locked in the game. If you kept your positions and you lost the intrinsic value that you gained when markets were up and now falling down, uh, you can sustain holding the position. You better really like it because, again, lower lows. Volatility is going to be a big, big factor in the 2022 market. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty due to you know, all the things that I've just spoken about. But even furthermore, the uh, the guidance from the Fed is not the clearest thing. We had an early early cycle recovery that moved into a mid-cycle expansion, but that expansion is losing steam. And the downside uh, is, is not even quite priced in. The risk-reward on the downside is not priced in. People are paying ridiculous premiums for things, not looking at the downside. You want to see those ridiculous premiums? Look at crypto. Um, I'm not the biggest proponent of crypto. I, I know I've spoken about it on my platform. It is not, man, what it really is to me is just the concept of uh, pure flat out manipulation of worthless items that have little to no meaning um, only for people to give it a meaning because they're trying to even the score for what is going on in the financial system. Well, on one, on one side, you know, not to be the broken record, on one side, all they're doing is creating the same financial system you live in now in a virtual world or with a different representation because you, ha you still have the situation that, hey, I am making X amount of dollars or I, I have X amount of investment and I want it to turn into 10X, 20X, whichever. And, I, and, and in order to do that, I'm looking to control a market, manipulate a market, or you know, look and, and, and play with the trajectory and direction of what is going on in a market. I mean, this goes right back into uh, what is happening, in my opinion, in the metaverse. I know I cannot speak about it to the furthest extent of friends like Chuck and, and other people. But I will say that when you ask people where the money is coming from that allows you to buy a land for one Ethereum and then sell it later for 55 Ethereum and then say, well, I just made 
you know, a boatload of money. One, you didn't make any money because you didn't sell it. And when you are selling it, you're trying to convert it into dollars. But if let's say you're not trying to convert it into dollars and you're converting it to some other crypto, you're just playing musical cheers because you spend dollars. You don't spend crypto. Now, you could also fight back and say that, well, I spend the crypto or whatever on XYZ and whatever else that I want. And this is what I was asking one of my friends about is that, well, really, how is that working? Because when people buy real estate, buy extra, uh, very high priced things with their crypto, is it still not being converted to dollars? But if or let's say it's being staked and someone else is holding it while you pay a note or they collect your interest payment notes, however you may structure it. What is the hedge on the other side? I know there is one because obviously some of these guys are smart enough to know that. But what's the hedge on the other side? And again, you still convert it to dollars. And lastly, the thing that sounded crazy as I was even listening to metaverse concepts, the person tells me there's mansions in the metaverse and it'll cost you $3 million to live or have land next to Snoop Dogg in a metaverse. Well, it's about $3 million in the real world to live next to Snoop. This is, this is the most imaginary nonsense that I've seen because you're just trying to start another economy within a virtual world to reduplicate exactly what's going on here and say, hey, we have made this viable enough that there's a second currency or there's a second reality in which you're rich here and then, you know, it doesn't matter what, what you've got going on over there. You know, I've even seen a, a particular situation where Gary V was talking about a, a sushi NFT, you know, or a pizza NFT, buy the pizza. And then every time the NFT sells, the pizza shop owner gets a percentage of every time it's sold in, in, in this, that, and the third, it's like a, a restaurant on on the metaverse. Again, it, it's it's just another bullshit gimmick. Um, that's what the majority of this stuff is, and I get it. You know, I I even have to get out of my own ego and step out of the way to see that this is what young people are looking at and wanting to do. Um, but again, it needs to have some substantiation to not only just build that environment, but build the environment while it's being sustained to, to, to pay, to pay itself. Uh, no one wants to collect worthless coins that you have to wait for them to be manipulated to be worth something. And every time you have these uh, vapid, invalid types of structures, they're going to have their regulation. But we're not going to get into that conversation of regulation because that's not what this is about. Um, another issue that's going to be happening globally in the 2022 outlook, to my opinion, is slow uh, consumption. Uh, the Consumer Price Index, also known as CPI, is currently at 7.5. Back in November, December, they were projecting that the Consumer Price Index would top out at 6. It's already at 7.5 and we are only in February. You'll probably see this consumer price index top out at eight and a quarter or eight and a half. And God forbid we have to keep rates low because of this um, this uh, invasion of the Ukraine. <laughs> You're going to see those uh, prices spike again uh, in consumer 
um, con consumer uh, price index, you're gonna see them all spike again and you easily could get that high. Uh, this is not good for Joe everybody, not good for the middle class. And you know, those are the guys who voted for uh, the Biden administration, Kamala Harris. I can't sit here to push politically one way or the other, but I can say there was more money made direct in stimulus to people, more people had access to money to do whatever propelled them ahead with the Trump administration and not the Biden administration. However, the Biden administration will bear the brunt of the inflation, nonetheless. But however, on a, on, on a contrarian point, Biden administration might have chose not to give direct stimulus. So, you know, we have to also look at um, things just being priced higher with limited demand. When you're getting into these environments where you have uh, globally uh, supply shortages and, and what people are going to do to combat them or just wanting the higher price. I mean, right now you, you pay more even for a haircut. Well, simply put, when you have that uh, higher demand, as I've always said before, sorry, higher pricing, as I've always said before, you have to meet it with uh, not only higher demand, but uh, higher wages. Uh, and that's what is slowing down from corporations. You, you know, in this outlook, the triple B's are still an issue in this country. And triple B paper or triple B rated debt is about 70% of the debt that's just above investment, just, yeah, just at investment grade, slightly above investment, slightly above junk. And things that are slightly above junk or at junk, so your triple B or triple B minus for junk, anything from cash flows can, can have an issue could give you an issue and we're all and you're having this issue because forward guidance is weak. You know your forward guidance is weak because uh, commodities are increasing, economic consumption is slowing, your revenues as a company will be weaker. So when you take into account these things, uh, corporations are going to have a major problem continuing to sustain people's um, people's labor requirements. It's just going to be hard. Doesn't matter if min if they've increased minimum wage uh, guarantees. You, you use less people. That's how it's always going to be. Um, next thing that we have to also uh, look at is that there must be a weighted, you know, a, a, a direction of um, a direction of portfolio weighted balance. You know, like moving forward to my outlook, I, I continue to say 70-30. As I've expressed many times, uh, that political mismanagement, and we even have gridlock at this time, all at the same time. We have mismanagement in what the infrastructure bill is and how it needs to pass. Uh, they're going to try to pass it. I, I don't think they pass it till after midterm elections, if at all. Uh, but it's much to the detriment of the Democrats because they will lose seats. Uh, this has been an abysmal performance from Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris, just extremely weak. The best that they pulled out of this was uh, cancellation of student loans. And I, I, I only see so many people speaking about that. But we'll continue to say 70-30 to the short side. 
uh, trading around, keeping limber and seeing if we continue to get uh, pressure, downward selling pressure, uh, shorting pressure, excuse me, or to, uh, you know, to early morning sessions, trying to crack and push to new lows. We then also have to look at uh, risk factors that are within the economy for the 2022 outlook. Uh, we have an inflation risk, uh, which we've kind of already understood is that inflation TPI could continue to keep running. We have uh, COVID variants that could be out here. I mean, some people are just lifting mask mandates after the Omicron, which has been around since uh, uh, Black Friday or a little bit before. So that, you know, that's still kicking, um, it's still just kicking major ass in the economy and it is still spreading, uh, as uh, Charlie was saying, it is just hitting New Zealand. And they did not have a COVID problem for uh, the better part of a year and a half. Um, and then, you know, lastly, another big risk is a uh, quick tightening. Uh, the quick tightening for, shows itself from the Chinese um, economy where they tightened very quickly and to only immediately have an issue of where debts could not be paid because financing was not easily as readily available within the time frame that most companies needed. Um, and even worse, dollar denominated payments. We beat that horse before, but it, but that is a easy, quick way to see what the risks are in the 2021 economy. The risk is inflation. The risk is COVID variants. And the risk is quick tightening from the uh, federal government. Um, Risk premiums don't reflect the downside, as I was saying before. You are ex paying extreme amounts for things like um, crypto. It's not pricing in the downside. People are willing to take and, and convince themselves it's the right play. Hey, every to each their own, but uh, they're not looking at the downside risk from the yield that they're getting. Uh, they ha The yields have to continue to get eaten up, especially if you're paying premiums, because remember, uh, yields and prices work in inverse relationship. If uh, prices are up, the yields are down. So the more you're paying, the less you're getting in return. And if there's a lot of interest in something that cannot be properly priced due to the economy or markets, uh, you overpay with less yield. This is a concept that the shorts used to push and bet against Tesla while the te young Tesla people say, nah, I'm buying my Tesla, uh, it is outperforming, though fundamentally it should not outperform. Hence why you can often see these wide swings of uh, sometimes 100 points. Um, that volatility is there for those two contrarian points of view. So we then have to say to ourselves, you know, what also is going to happen um, to more refinancing. Uh, refinancing, as you can already know from things like uh, China Evergrande, AMC, people are all trying to extend their debts how they can. It is scary to think that there's a lot of companies that haven't been able to extend those debts. They, those debts are coming due um, in 2023 and 2024. Most people wouldn't understand how to do that. You just have to go back to the 2008 time when markets started to stabilize and lending started happening again in more frequency, which was like 2010, 2011, uh, some of those bonds are coming into the 10-year yield curve or the, the part of the curve uh, that uh, maturities are starting to be due. So 
Negotiations are made, being made for those who can to extend payment. And there's a lot of people who can't. Even AMC is having a hell of a time uh, to do it, though. They found one financing, but there's so many more that they would have to finance. And there's a lot of uh, companies that do this, uh, that are in the same boat. Um, to that same extent, with trying to extend your payments, you have, you have to look at the yield curve. Uh, the curve is, um, what's the best way to say? It still has a, a scenario that the long-term bonds and long-term investments are weak and people don't want them. We know this to be true because of the risk assets people get into to make money. Well, if that's the case, I've spoken about the TLT trade before. Well, the TLT trade still holds. Short the TLT, you'll be able to take advantage of the fact that long-term rates are weak and will continue to be weak. The only thing that uh, fights against, actually it doesn't even fight against you, it proves you even more, is if you raise short-term rates because you don't want them to go negative or short-term rates, the um, yields are becoming increasingly higher and higher uh, you will have some dysfunction in the, well, I don't really say dysfunction, you'll have some repricing in uh, the TLT. So on one hand, if uh, prices continue to uh, go down and the yields start rising um, in the short-term market, that's going to make it very hard for um, people who need the money to borrow. Fed has to play with that, flatten out that um, short-term borrowing and the short end of the curve to make it so that the prices for short-term borrowing get cheaper. And if the prices get cheaper, the yields get higher or vice versa. The um, prices get more expensive and uh, you get the yields to come down. In essence, you would want a better yield. You always want a better yield for your short-term borrow. Uh, but if you're trying to forcefully make it where the short-term borrow is not a better yield and instead a weaker yield, um, you know, you, you have created an environment that makes that TLT short trade work because the curve becomes inverted long-term rates worth less than short-term rates only to be manip manipulated to make short-term rates low to support pushing long-term rates high. There's a lot and a mouthful. Listen to it again. You may understand it. Um, opportunities where I see things, uh, especially as it comes from this yield curve happening. Canada uh, and Canadian debt for corporations, New Zealand and Australian debt. I will cover the, the names that I like in those groups. There, there's a great trade that's uh, coming up in my opinion, in the New Zealand and Australia debt markets with um, Japanese banks buying uh, adjustable rate mortgages. Uh, well, Japanese and Austra no, Japanese banks buying Australian and New Zealand adjustable rate mortgages because that is predominantly what they sell there. Um, agency MBS is going to continue to be strong, in my opinion, because you can't have an aggressive rate hike especially not now with this uh, Putin situation. So I like agency. Agencies are uh, considered Fannie Mae, Jenny Mae, Freddie Mac. Uh, private labels are considered like Bank of America Chase and people like that. So I'm loving agency mortgages in continuation. Uh, I, will, I still think globally you will see commodity prices rise, 
for all metals, gold, you'll see um, a lot of uh, other commodities tend to rise due to, you know, these warring factions. It is key to also know, especially as, as I was hearing earlier today, some people saying, well, you know, uh, Russian military running out of money and things of that nature. They have not paid attention to what um, Vladimir Putin and the Russians were doing when Mohammed bin Salman had had issues with Putin directly and took it to uh, those OPEC council meetings and had to have emergency OPEC council meetings. The Russians will pump and sell their oil to undercut market prices. They do not care. So in a an attack on another country, oil being at damn near 100 or 100 plus, why would uh, the um, Russians just not sell their oil for cheaper? Uh, obviously, people will put sanctions in. They'll get that oil moving. People always want to buy cheaper oil. $100 a barrel, I'll sell it to you for 80 85 They're buying it. They'll figure out a way. That's just what happens. Emerging markets as a whole is uh, just a place that is debt-ridden, and a lot of it is just written, is written to be paid in uh, U.S. dollars. Uh, this is going to be a hell of a situation to figure out, and I think that you continue to have an opportunity within those markets, but I don't think you can directly just buy names. I think it will be very, very, very important that you actually trade uh, the FX as opposed to trying to buy corporate names. And this is you know, where I think uh, currency pairs could be to your benefit. You can see that this is true because people are doing uh, uh, euro dollar trades um, and they're winning because the euro is falling significantly with uh, this military action. So I like uh, Forex within this year, especially if we don't have any peace and resolution anytime soon. I, I am a, another strong proponent in saying that this war is not only, well, any war, any attack is not only just won by just beating the other person up, but it is also the manipulation of public markets uh, we are going into Monday. Most of you will listen to this episode by Monday. And I was saying this all weekend. You will see another pressing of uh, market prices of all the big indices, S&P, QQQs, Dow, early in the morning to try to see where the liquidity is. Um, you can be very short in these environments and very nimble to make sure you unload your shorts. And that's how we look at it. And that's how you... We'll, um, we'll just continue to, to just play it. Um, that's pretty much just what I'm thinking of how I'm looking at the 2021 outlook. I don't even think you need to cover it from, oh, this country's doing this, that country's doing that. They're all tightening. I'm sorry, they're all uh, loosening. They can't tighten. They have to loosen because the dollar is tightening. And usually everyone works in unison, but we had an extenuating circumstance with COVID um, and the U.S. and China decoupled where China began to tighten while the U.S. was still loosening because we had a employment issue and China wanted to be one of the first out of uh, COVID and back to recovery and not dealing with an employment issue because they export. So, you know, I hope this episode finds you well. 
Um, but, you know, you have to, again, consider that emerging markets and their growth cycle um, obviously move too fast. So sit on it, think on it, ponder it. It's kind of a long episode, about 28 minutes. Listen to it twice. I think it will help you. I know where I'm going in this year. I'm going straight to the top. We are going to execute at the highest possible uh, level. I'm excited. Thank you guys for tuning in. L.A. Echo out. Trade Talk.